Hello and welcome to the latest Think Business podcast. Today I talk to Barry Kennedy, CEO of Irish Manufacturing Research, which operates research facilities in Dublin and Mullingar. He talks about the value for money and return on investment that Irish manufacturing research has delivered so far for the Irish economy. He says Ireland is home to a community of amazing tier one manufacturers, but warns that if we're not careful, Ireland's manufacturing sector faces a technology time bomb. I'm joined today by Barry Kennedy, CEO of IMR, Irish Manufacturing Research. And, and Barry, um, Ireland's prowess at manufacturing is well-renowned. We've captured so much in the last 30, 40 years in terms of pharmaceuticals, electronics, computers. But it's a never-ending race to stay ahead of the global competition. And would I be right in assuming that the, the role of IMR is to make sure that we are that step ahead? Uh, yeah, hello, John, and thank you very much for inviting me on your programme. Um, yes, actually, our, our role is to try and help manufacturers here on the island of Ireland to stay ahead of the competition, to be the most productive in the world and the most efficient in the world. Our motto as an organisation is to demystify, de-risk and deliver emerging technologies for industries. The problem for a lot of manufacturers are that they're so caught up on their day-to-day focus on delivering high quality output that they don't have the ability to stop and look left and right and see what's going on and what kind of technologies are being brought into the marketplace. And those who are adopting these newer technologies are getting a significant advantage. Um, Ireland isn't the cheapest um, place in the world from a labour cost point of view. If you look at it in Europe, we're in the top 75% of the of the in terms of cost levels from a salary point of view. Uh, we're above the EU average. And the levels of automation and robotics, for instance, that we've adopted into, into our manufacturing facilities is significantly lower. If I was to look at um, countries such as, say, South Korea, um, they have got if the International Robotics Federation will quote there somewhere over 600 robots per 10,000 employees. If you look at uh, Germany, they're over 400 uh, robots. Um, and if you look at um, Ireland and, say, the UK, we'd be substantially below 50. And so if you take, if you look at that and say, well, um, just on one thematic area, say in robotics, Ireland are one of the more costly places to manufacture and we've the least adoption of technologies. So our job is to try and help companies understand that and the risks that that proposes for the manufacturing base in Ireland over the coming years are to try and show them the way um, um, in terms of of these technologies and how it can help them um, organisationally to ensure that they do stay competitive and don't get left behind. That's the thing. I mean, when I think about the sheer scale of companies like Samsung in in, in Korea and Huawei in, in, in Shenzhen, China, and just the sheer output, the sheer quality. And then I realized we're only on this island, we've less, you know, few, only a few million people compared to their huge populations. But at the same time, we've so much punched above our weight. Um, I think at one point in the 90s, Ireland produced more than a third of the world supply of Pentium processors. Uh, today, the global supply of iPhones is coordinated from Cork. And I think Apple still does some manufacturing in Cork. We've got some of the biggest pharma companies in the world, four to five biggest electronics manufacturers here, five out of five of the biggest software companies here. So we're doing something right. So is that because we kind of just grew up with those industries and we've managed to maintain a strategic hold? But is there always going to be a battle there? Like we still simply don't have the same kind of numbers and cost base that say Shenzhen or Korea would have. Yeah, and that's that's the, that's the challenge. We, we've done very well in winning in this investment and it's won in investment as opposed to homegrown investment, some of those big numbers that you've quoted. 
Although we have a very, we have a fantastic indigenous base, which we maybe talk to later on. But uh, the the one in investment, um, you know, we're in the top five in terms of global exporters of pharmaceuticals, as you say, we're the second largest exporters of medical device products in Europe after Germany, by way of example. And you've already quoted um, the, you know, the ICT industry and where we, we sit in, in regards to that. So, um, yeah, we do punch way above our weight. In fact, you know, it's the envy of of the world and in, in terms of other countries look on and they say, well, gosh, we're a small little island and off the coast of uh, Europe and we've won in the, these these businesses and industries and how do we do it and we've very good government agencies who've done a really good job of, of attracting in that kind of investment such as the IDA and Enterprise Ireland they've both played a part there a significant part in that success story um, but but there's always risk these emerging um, economies you know across Asia are really starting to knock it out of the park you know for, for many years it was for them it was about low cost manufacturing but you know the quality may not have been great they fixed the quality and um, they may not have had the same standards that you know we had here in Ireland or in Europe. They've they've pretty much fixed that, um, and they're they're doing a good job of closing the gap um, um, that to, to to Ireland's advantages, if you like. Um, however, you know they do have problems themselves, right? You know, in in those regions, um, you know their labour costs are rising fast as well because it's a higher skilled workforce and sort of demanding a, a certain wage rate and so wages are so this the scale isn't quite as unbalanced as it was in the past um but nonetheless they do have a, a an advantage over ireland in the sense that they do have scale you know the size of these countries are, are enormous and so they may you know outplay us there however we have a significant advantage by our size and being small isn't necessarily a bad thing. So in Ireland, where we have the likes of companies, you know, fantastic companies, world leaders like Intel and fantastic companies like Johnson & Johnson and Dupuy, who make artificial hips and knees, um, and, and on this island where we can connect these companies together in a way that you couldn't do anywhere else in the world because the Irish people are very good at networking and because regionally we're also close to one another, we have the power and the ability to be able to do something that the rest the world can't do. So we need to recognise what our strengths are and build on them uh, to ensure that we we lock these companies in for you know generations into into the island of Ireland. Um, and and so you know we, we'll never compete on the scale, the size thing, but we, the bigness. But we can compete actually when we look at it and 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 say actually our advantage is the fact that we are small, and that's what we need to do um, as an as a nation actually. You're, you're like in your own experience. You're a, you're a, you're a very uh, seasoned exec, former executive of Intel, for example. And one of the things I got, a, I was fortunate enough to visit uh, your facility in Mullingar before lockdown, and got a sense of the kind of sheer scale of the kind of equipment you're putting in, the the kind of technologies that are coming in. I, I didn't even realise it was possible to 3D print metal until I actually visited your facility. But the one of the things that I was impressed with was some of the people you introduced me that day were people who have done the hard miles in industry and have the knowledge of, you know, orchestrating a global supply chain. Um, tell me about the evolution of IMR um, and how it has delivered value for the, for the Irish economy. We, in fact, it, 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 at the last downturn, um, a cluster of uh, companies uh, we, we got together. Um, I was I was part of that cluster. We were observed that there was a big fear that um, uh, you know, as per the start of this uh, conversation, that the multinationals might start to move out of the, out of the country. You know, the island the island the economy had crashed here. There were, you know, other regions were growing. 
growing in confidence and the fear was that we'd lose jobs. And we said, well, I wonder if we got together, is there something clever we can do to try and give another reason why the mothership mightn't move off the island? And uh, I remember sending out a note um, some great over eight years ago now to a distribution list and within two hours, I got responses back from a whole cluster of multinationals across all the sectors, the ICT, the pharma, the biomed, the engineering and um, we arranged to meet the following week um, on a Wednesday for a one-day session. In the morning, we said we'd discuss productivity. In the evening, we said we'd discuss energy efficiency. And they all turned up. And um, at that time, the government had put out a call to set up centres called um, competence centres. They're now called technology centres. And so we decided we'd put in an application, but we had only two weeks to do that. And so we met the following week for a two-day face-to-face. All the companies turned up. And we met in a hotel down in Port Leash. And I realised then that there was something in this. You know, I thought we'd lose a number of them, you know, as we were going. But I suddenly saw the passion that these companies were coming to the table. And they, they did really care and they did really want to wear the green jersey. Um, in terms of this. Out of that, we we ran a pilot for a number of years. The government liked what they saw and they um, then they agreed in the Enterprise Ireland and the IDA to fund us. And our initial seed and fuss investment for our first five years operation was a 25 million investment. And on that, we got a, a premises in, in Dublin, in, in Ratcool. As a result of the work that we did in our first five years, um, from an international audit that took place. Um, we have had to date over 50 million euros worth of economic impact in the country, which is forecasted to be over 200 million by 2023, based on the work and the research output that we did collectively together. And um, we focused in those early years in, in looking at ways that we could help drive productivity improvements and put in manufacturing facilities and making them more energy efficient. And, and I suppose then the... Um the kind of future for manufacturing Ireland, if you were to cast your mind five years out, maybe even 10 years out, the way the world has gone, we're looking at things like 3D printing, we're looking at VR, uh, all of those things I've seen in action in your in your facility in Mullingar. How, 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 what will a manufacturing assembly line look like in Ireland maybe five or 10 years from now? If you, Let's say take electronics, for example. Right. In fact, a fantastic question. And in fact, the, the whole this whole journey has been disrupted in, in a way that I, I, if you'd asked me last year, I probably would give you a slightly different perspective than I will this year. But COVID has kind of uh, shook the whole game up in a way that, that I didn't see coming and, and others didn't. And by way of example, supply chains, which are critical to manufacturing, obviously, you know, you have to get your, your raw materials in and get your products shipped back out again. The, the, the thought process in, in the past had been that um, you know you go you manufacture in, in a low cost region and then you ship your parts from that low cost region around the world. Well, cue a pandemic and you suddenly realise supply chains can suddenly dry up very fast. So countries are now reflecting on this and saying, oh, well, okay, maybe that's not the smartest way to do things. Maybe we need to have supply chains that are a little bit more distributed and a little bit more local. So that's starting a different conversation. And I know that this year because I've seen um, Irish manufacturers now manufacturing products that traditionally would, would have been done in Asia are now being manufactured here on the island of Ireland just since COVID has kicked in. And so I suspect some version of that is going to continue for for quite a period of time. So the way manufacturing is going to set up is going to be different. And we can see that also with certain industries, the way it's going to differ. If I take, for instance, something like shoes, um, uh, there are manufacturers today designing the soles of the shoes that are bespoke for every person using 3D printers. So basically, based on the way you walk, it measures your gait. 
kind of puts little reinforcements into the soles of the shoes in a way to help you stop having falling arches, for instance, or something like that. If you're going to manufacture like that, then the, the smart way to do that is you do it more locally than in some centralized hub, you know, in Asia or somewhere. And so the, the business models are starting to change and it looks like there will be more modular, more localized type manufacturing may take place, particularly for those types of products that will be bespoke. An example of that, another example would be the medical device industry. If you are, uh, you need it, your, your, your hip size is different to my hip size. So instead of the way it's done today, which is the small, medium and large or whatever, they code the, these hips um, and they say, well, both of us look like a kind of a medium, but we're not quite. And they end up getting in there and filing it down a little bit, you know, real time in the, in, in, in the theatre. Now I'm being facetious. I have not been in a the theatre, so I don't quite know how to do it. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the way, the new way of doing it is, uh, scanning the area, uh, your, your hip uh, and my hip, and actually then using 3D printers, print it exactly the same so that you know it's going to have the same form, fit and function when 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 it goes in. If you do that and you make it bespoke, then the likelihood is that the manufacturing will become more localised, local to where it's needed. And so for the med device industry, you could see actually becoming a little bit more regionalised than, um, than the decentralised way of doing it. So th- there are changes taking place. And if you go into what we class as big broad manufacturing they they're looking at how they set up manufacturing facilities and COVID, particularly for discrete manufacturing, has emphasised this. Uh, the manufacturing systems and tools need to be more flexible, more versatile, um, and to allow companies to pivot left and right based on what market demand is. Um, if you want to, another example of that, there, you know, when the crash happened here with COVID, the the manufacturing base, if you were in the automotive uh, game, supplying parts to the automotive industry, which, by the way, in Ireland, we do, even though we don't manufacture cars here, we have quite a big base of of indigenous manufacturers who provide um, parts into those into those uh, businesses or industries. Um, that just stops instantaneously. So if you wanted to keep manufacturing going, what a number of those manufacturers were able to do was they were able to pivot at 90 degrees and literally start turn on production to manufacture parts, say, to meet the med device need or the PPE need. Companies are reflecting on that and saying we need to have much more adaptable manufacturing systems, more modular in, in terms of approach. And so I, I see those kind of changes taking place that are very different than I would have seen, say, last year. Plus, it bringing in things like uh, collaborative robots that will work side by side human beings so that they they can then recode them to do lots of different things and lots of different tasks. So they're the kind of changes that we see uh, coming over the, over the next few years. And actually, you mentioned there the COVID crisis. Uh, you guys had a hand in, in actually manufacturing uh, ventilators using your expertise. So it was kind of uh, incumbent on the IMR to to show what it, show what it could do, as opposed to to kind of help with the situation. Yeah, well, as soon as COVID kicked in, we realised that we've got the skills and the competency and and some of the tools, not all the tools that we would have liked to have had, but we had some that we felt could make a difference. And so I, I called the team together and I said, look, folks, you know, this is we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime before. The hospitals are in dire need of PPE, for instance. Um, I, I won't forget the day a nurse from Mullingar General Hospital walked into our building uh, quite upset. She'd just been off shift and they had zero PPE in the A&E department on that particular day and they begged us for anything that we'd have. So we turned on our 3D printers, um, as did I know a lot of schools and other universities in, in Ireland. They did the same thing. Everyone stepped up and we started to produce face 
Pfizer's um, for for Mullingar General Hospital and um, for Kerry um, and Tralee General Hospital, should I say as well, and, and the hospital and, and James. There was a few hospitals we, we supplied into. So we, we got the team to to step up there. We also helped over um, forty companies in one hundred um, different business to business interactions where they ran short on their supply chain and couldn't get um, in critical parts that they needed into to produce their goods. And if I look, there was some food industries, for instance, we were working with them, they were struggling with things like getting industrial alcohol because their supplier of industrial alcohol had diverted their capacity to do hand gels for the hospitals, say, in France or whatever, right? And so um, we, we helped them um, in, that, in that area as well. And then the final thing we did was we got involved with our industrial internet of things team, our, our electronics uh, folk and our uh, 3D uh, printing uh, team. And they got together and we worked with MIT in in the US, uh, Massachusetts, and we built a two different ventilators. One um, of the ventilators, the one we did with MIT, is in um, test in, um, or was in test, should I say, in, in New York there uh, during the, the, the first phase of, of the pandemic. The second one was a product that we 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 worked with a company called Arts in Bio, a Malone Group, and, and other partners. Uh, it, it works on a different principle. Now, we've been working with one of the top five global experts in ventilators on this particular design, which will be a low-cost ventilator that could go into uh, countries that um, cannot afford these, you know, very complex high-end systems, but will give, you know, maybe 50% of what, you know, these high-end systems can deliver, um, but it's much more cost-affordable, maybe less than 10000 per unit and we've we've had good success on that at the moment but that's in in test at the moment these things take a, a long time to get tested and trials to make sure that they're safe for uh, human use so um they're in tests as we speak so very good and, and i suppose then like looking at the the, the near future of, of of manufacturing as well i mean when i talk to you i was impressed by you have this encyclopedic knowledge of what's going on in ireland around the place you know this guy down in cork is doing this this guy in athlone is doing this can you give me some of the examples of i mean for the audience sake i mean a lot of people aren't aware of the sheer kind of uh amazing activities of uh, manufacturing in ireland by indigenous manufacturers not just the big intels and 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 Spiders of the world, but the kind of the indigenous companies. Can you give me a kind of a flavour of some of the stuff that's happened here that that won't embarrass anyone or it won't reveal too much either? You know, that yeah. you can talk about. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I, I think I'd be. Um, I'm sure they won't mind me mentioning their their, their names. Or so uh, it's the ones I don't mention are the ones who might be more upset. And uh, so apologies <laughs> for, for those folk beforehand. Um, you just cut me on the spot with the question. Yeah. Well, look, we we have. We have a lot, as you said yourself, multinational uh, companies here. And as a result of that, young engineers, um, male and female, have stepped maybe off that corporate boat and have gone on and set up their own businesses. Um, and I'll mention some of them in a moment. Um, and you have others who, based on um, Ireland being smart enough, we set up in different types of degree programs a number of years ago, such as, say, in Athlone, where they very much focus on a plastics engineering degree. And as a result of that particular course, we have um, another suite, if, if you like, of indigenous manufacturers who are out there today uh, playing on, on, on the world stage. But we'll wave example, and um, we've companies like Decotech there in, in the Midlands, and they are <clears throat> producing the chrome parts that you might find on your Porsche, for instance. And um, you have companies like Mergon, um, and they they supply the plastics and that are inside the Tesla. They're a two one supplier to Tesla, by way of example. Um, you have um, companies like Croom Medical and uh, 
uh, down there in in Limerick, and they are uh, producing parts uh, to for the med device industry, and will be supplying in the manufacturing both their own suite of products, but also uh, would work um, um, and be a supplier into the into the larger med device companies as well. So um, we have a broad range of 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 companies, apart from all the food companies that we know about, uh, you know the Glambias of this world, etc., um, that are you know global leaders in their own right, or the Kerry Group global leaders in their own right. Um, it is just fascinating. But what what struck me when I got when I when I moved out of Intel and started to work in this in this whole area here was just the, the wealth of incredible companies that exist across the island of Ireland and their unsung heroes and their their story hasn't been told. They're significant employers. Some of them have become multinational today. You know, if I looked at groups like uh, the Steripack Group, for instance, and um, you know, American by the way, that's another multinational as well. They, um, the, the, what they have, um, what they're achieving globally is quite significant, you know, with facilities all around the world now. And it all, it all happened here in Ireland, yeah. And, uh, final question is, uh, looking back on the, the return on investment that the IMR has delivered and looking to near future, near, and when I say near, I'm talking five to 10 years out, even 20 years out. But what does Ireland need to do to ensure it, has a, it maintains its manufacturing future. And overall, are you optimistic for future manufacturing in Ireland? Yes, I, and I say that with absolute confidence. I, I absolutely am. I am. It's, it starts with the people, and I mean that you know genuinely. The, the, the skill set and the talent that we have here in Ireland, um, in the whole manufacturing base, is 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 phenomenal. It's the reason why actually we have now so many indigenous companies that have been set up and that are so successful and that they're tier one suppliers globally and they can compete with with um you know on the international stage. Um, um I would be very confident that we will we will maintain our position. Um, the one thing that Ireland are very good at doing is is adopting new technologies and learning new things. And we you know that from international studies actually in terms of the you know, different populations. Um, and you know we're, we're very innovative, right? And so, and we have a can-do attitude. In fact, I'd say a lot of the companies who move into Ireland, that's one of the things they spotted, that, you know, that the Irish workforce really do roll up their sleeves and really, you know, work hard and deliver. So I think that's that's what's going to carry us, right? But but we need to make sure we don't get cocky and we need to make sure we're watching the, the emerging technologies and that we make some, you know, we adopt these technologies as they're coming in or we will be left behind. So um, it is really important that this industry 4.0 term you may have heard being used, which is really about the digitization of manufacturing. And so what does that mean to, to folk who don't know much about this space? It means effectively putting sensors on systems and machines and gathering data from those sensors on these machines and doing something with that data some business intelligent decision that you can make. So in other words, it can either spot that the machine is going, there's a quality problem in it, or it may spot that it's going to go down in a, in a, in a few hours time so you can take the machine down safely and so you don't lose product. Um, it can it can show you ways that you may be able to make the run the machine so it becomes more productive. Um, it is, a, it is a, those types of technologies um, The we need to, and the manufacturing base in, in Ireland needs to look at these, figure out what's important for them and adopt those technologies technologies. If we do that, plus the type of skill sets and competencies we have in this in this um, island, um, I think we will be very successful out into the future. So yeah, no, I think um, manufacturing for Ireland is very bright, actually. It's very exciting. The jobs are very skilled, very challenging. You know, they're not 
you know, there was a t time when people say, oh, you wouldn't want to work in manufacturing because it's a sweatshop or something like this. And you go around the manufacturing facilities today and it's like sitting in a James Bond movie, you know, when you look at these, you know, very advanced robots um, or guys walking around in spacesuits in a clean room, for instance. It, the, the, the jobs are fascinating and very, very interesting. And so, yeah, I think the manufacturing has a bright future in this country. Barry Kennedy, thank you very much. Uh, that was really great. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, John. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.